Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hi there, parents. We are back, and it's always good to talk about parenting, grandparenting, and whatever it is we happen to be doing on the road this weekend. We have been on the road quite a bit. You know, some of you listeners must think we're crazy because we call from airports, we call from foreign countries, we call in from hither and yon, but uh, don't feel too bad for us because we get to travel together and we we get to give talks together and we kind of have a nice time, don't we, Linda? Oh, man, we have way too much fun. Don't tell our kids because we are just having a ball. Although, you know, we do stop in and see the kids all the time, and we got to see quite a few of them this week. Uh, first of all, Let we just say, for- Before you get to that, I just wanted to say that, just to follow up on that earlier thought, that uh, traveling is not very glamorous, especially with airports the way they are these days. But the nice thing about it is that we're doing something we believe in, and... We've been doing it for 20, 25 years, although we had a big change about, let me think, it's been about five or six years ago when our last little trooper took off to go to college. And so since then, we haven't really had too many excuses to say no, but we do tend to go primarily to speaking invitations that are either where one of our kids is living or that can be reached by rooting ourselves through one of those places where one of the kids lives. So we keep up them. We've got a little chart, and uh, I'd say we visit each of them at least once every two months, wouldn't you, Linda, which is not easy since there's nine of them, and they live all over the place. Yeah, for some reason, we see four or five of them almost every month. Either we go there or they come here. It's this week, we have a family coming from Arizona tomorrow night and spending a few nights with us, which is so awesome. Um, and, but that, you know, they're just... But, I think, but I'm going to say that's not... And by the way, we've got a little delay on our phone, so if it sounds like we're interrupting, we're really not, because we never interrupt each other, do we, honey? Oh, no, never, never. We, we sometimes interject, but I was just going to add that we... Um, you know, when... What we're saying is, in a way, a rationalization, because we still find a lot of envy for some of you parents who have your kids living down the street or through the block or around the corner or five minutes away in the next town. That's a wonderful thing. And we do have one of our nine living just up the road in Ogden, thank goodness, along with five of our grandkids. But we're not necessarily trying to pull all the rest back here. We had a Another one nearly moved back to Utah, but they're happily entrenched in Boston, and her husband is now the bishop of their ward in their church, in our church, and so they decided not to come, and that's okay. You know, it's a small world. It's not like a world that used to be. They Skyped this morning. They FaceTimed. I feel like I, I don't know, Linda, am I rationalizing? Do you feel like you sort of know what's going on with all the kids and the grandkids pretty much all the time. Thank goodness for FaceTime, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Well, not all the time because something happens every day in a household of five children, but um, we did get to be part of, in fact, we did a TV show last week about 
how important Instagramming is with your, our kids and learning how to do that even as grandparents, especially as grandparents, so that we can be in touch with their pictures and what they're thinking, what they're doing, texting and so on. And we may have mentioned that last week. But let me just say that we had two very interesting audiences this week and then two very, very interesting days with our kids in California. First of all, we went to Omaha and um, that was really a fun group, even though we did get to the hotel at about 10 minutes to midnight, and they just announced to us that they had given our room away. There was a convention, and there were no rooms. Sorry. And they were going to send us off to an old folks' home, sort of. Um, <laughs> considered, uh, it no. wasn't an old folks' home. They were going to send us to a, another hotel. Well, it was, it was a retirement home. I mean, you know, obviously it was a hotel, but we're old people. It was a marriage. <laughs> I should get that idea. But it was a, a long night. And I, and I will say this time of year is not the best time to visit beautiful downtown Omaha. But they really made up for it with the, with the group we had. What a great group of parents that was. Maybe, maybe in the winter in Omaha there's just not much to do than uh, be good parents to your kids, but they were good, weren't they? They were so awesome. We had such a nice discussion. We had been there five years before, and several parents had tried things that we had suggested, and so they you know, chipped in and said, I tried this, it worked, I tried it, and that didn't work for me, but I adjusted it to my family, and it worked for, for us. And, and then the next morning, we had a, sometimes we have a morning after breakfast, after we do a speech at night, and the next morning, quite a few parents showed up with some great ideas. We had a dad who brought his children's summer goals, summer deals of things that they wanted to do and that they would accomplish for a certain amount of money because they knew they had to buy all of their school clothes, their shoes, their coats, their boots, everything. And it was so well, fun. Well, let me just let me just chip in. I mean, it, what was amazing is that there were several really good parents there, but there was this one guy, his dad, oh my gosh, we said you should try to set up a family economy. Kids earn their own money instead of having lots. Oh, I've done that. You should have a weekly family meeting. Oh, that's what we do. We do it every week, and here's what we do in our family meeting. And, I mean, this guy was awesome. It's like every single thing that we usually try to teach, he was already doing them. And then, <laughs> should I give the punchline? Yeah, go ahead. We've, well, we found out later that he's he has a personal coach or mentor that uh, that you know works with him on everything, and some of these young entrepreneurs do that. But in his case, his coach was one of our best friends, a wonderful guy named Warren Rustand, who lives in Tucson and who we've known for 35 years, and who'd been teaching him all the same things that we've always talked about and done together. So it was like he had the cheat sheet. He had. <laughs> <laughs> well, either that or it was a double whammy. I mean, really, we were teaching the same things coming from different directions, and so it was really fun. But you know what I learned from that, Linda? The thing, the thing that, the thing that makes good parenting. And I, let me just really make a point of this to you, parents who are listening. There is not one perfect formula for how to raise kids. On the contrary, there are so many different approaches and different ways to think about parenting and about children and about raising them and what our goals should be and what our techniques and methods should be and so on. 
And there isn't just one right one, partly because every kid is different, but over and over we keep finding that the parents who are doing the best, whose kids are doing the best and turning out well, and the ones who are having the most fun, the ones who are enjoying it most, are just the ones who think about it a lot. They have a strategy. They've sat down together as a mom and a dad, or sometimes a single mother will just work hard on it. Here's my strategy. I have an offense here. I have a track to run on. I know what I'm trying to teach my kids. We have laws. We have an economy. We have a way of staying together through our traditions, and they're they're clear in their heads what it is they're trying to do. Even if it's very different from what another parent's doing, they've got a plan. They've got a program. They've got a track to run on. Over and over, the ones who are having the toughest time and, by the way, who are having the most, I don't know how to say it, the most unhappy surprises from their kids are the ones who are winging it. They're just like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll wait and see what happens, you know. I mean, if the kids has a problem, I hope I can go out and find a book and solve it, but they have no plan. It's so true, and the interesting thing, I think one of the most interesting things that has ever happened to us, and after a discussion happened in San Diego, we got there late, and we were so freezing from Omaha and so excited to get warm, and actually it was freezing there too. It was really cold. Well, 55, I mean, with the stiff wind. But um, we, And last week we were in Laguna Beach with our daughters, which I, we probably talked about last time, and it really was warm, 80 degrees, gorgeous, but it was cold. Anyway, we got there. We went to a meeting. It was 3 to 5 in the afternoon, which was kind of hard for parents, especially moms, when school's coming home. I don't know why exactly they did that, but... Anyway, we had a nice little two-hour discussion with them or an hour and a half, and then we went over to a little restaurant for um, for some appetizers and drinks and and just to talk with people about what we talked about. And um, we're going to take a break here soon, but let me just uh, introduce that by saying I probably had the most startling comment I've ever had. I was there getting chicken wings, and this dad comes up to me and looks right at me and said, I hated your speech. And I kind of laughed because I thought he was kidding. And then I realized he wasn't kidding. And it was such a sad story. We really, you know, zeroed in on him and talked to him seriously for about 10 minutes before we left and realized that his family was in disarray. His son, his 18-year-old, was into drugs and alcohol, had had a terrible surgery that had prevented him from doing his athletics, and he was having all kinds of problems. He said, my 16-year-old daughter has not talked to me for 10 months. And we thought, oh, there is something seriously going on here. And he said, really, I just had to leave because it just sounded like everything was perfect in your family. Please tell me, please tell me that it's not perfect. So um, after the break, we're going to come back and talk about some of the non-perfect things that happen in our family as well as things that um, that really work. We need to uh, emphasize that a little more often. So we'll come back right after the break well, and tell you all of our disasters. Let me just say as we go out, he was a classic example of a parent without a plan. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back. Um, it's nice to uh, chat for a few minutes, and we're going a little different direction today because if you heard the first half of the show, you know that uh, a guy came up to us at the end of a speech last week in San Diego and said, I hated your speech. 
and and then he went into the details of his family life, which was horrendous. He was having such a hard time, and uh, he and his wife together were just hopeless. They didn't know what to do, and as Richard mentioned at the end, I think there was probably a lack of a plan in their lives, and a plan not only for the past, but also a plan for the future. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, he wasn't... He wasn't bitter in any way. Well, he was bitter. He wasn't bitter about our speech. He just said, you know, everything you said made me feel, oh, my goodness, if I if I had done that, maybe I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. And he said, I just kept feeling guiltier and guiltier the whole time. And that bothered us a little, and that's why we spent some time with him alone, because that's kind of been our hallmark over the years, is trying not to make people feel guilty, trying instead to say, hey, none of us are perfect. We've all got problems. We don't choose to talk about our problems all the time, but every family has ups and downs, and let's just all keep on improving. And I think once we got him on that level, he he was fine. I mean, he wasn't fine, but he, he started being constructive about what could he do about these major problems he had with his teenagers. Basically, we told him, you know, because he's a fairly wealthy guy, we said, you've got to go one-on-one with your 18-year-old son. Take him to somewhere he wants to go. Take him to a spring training baseball camp or whatever he'll do where you get a chance to interact with him for three or four straight days and where you get to the bottom of what is really going on in his life and find out the things you obviously don't know about what his problems are. And he needs to do the same thing, frankly, with his daughter. Well, you know, we don't set ourselves up to be counselors, of course, and they really need counseling. I have to admit, they really need somebody who could help them out, and we couldn't help them much in 10 or 15 minutes. But he was greatly relieved when we he said, please tell me that your daughter's said they hated you at some point in life or that, you know, that something bad happened or something, you know, and we said, oh, man, sorry. I mean, we really should include a little more of this in our sites as well as in our presentation. And the funniest thing is that we've just been going through our family history. We've decided to write a book about our crazy lives when all the kids were home. And one of the things that we did was we went to Oregon and built a log cabin from scratch one summer. And then we went back a couple of years later and finished it up. But honestly, the memories that the kids have of that is so funny, including our two oldest daughters, whom Richard would not allow to hammer in nails, even though their younger brothers could hammer in nails. And they were calling him a male chauvinist pig and author. <laughs> nasty names in their journals and they've just found these journals we get and everybody is laughing so hard but I can't tell you the difference in his countenance when I said that to him I mean you know it's just we really should talk about our disasters a little more often Richard because that's what people need to hear maybe more than all the great ideas well you know that's right and I think even for you listeners we're aware of some of you listen in as often as you can on our show and we're flattered by that but we we should clarify that the last thing we want you to look at us as is some sort of gurus or experts who have all the answers. We'd rather be thought of as fellow strugglers with you in this in this difficult challenge we call parenting. And we also don't want you to say, oh, well, there's the Irs again. Irs on the road. They're traveling around. They're doing this. They're doing that. What on earth do they have in common with me? 
is stuck here in this house with these little kids and never gets out and so on and so forth. And we'd, what we'd like for you to do is view us as sort of your advocate. In other words, we're out there trying to find good parenting ideas, trying to deal with parents who have a lot of the same problems you do, and we're going to bring back on our little half-hour radio show every week a couple of optimistic thoughts or ideas we learn from someone else or ways to approach a particular problem. And think of us as your liaison. Think of us as people who are maybe out there learning some things that might be useful if we pass them on to you. And we want to be a resource to you, and we want to be the kind of parents who are not experts but who are experienced not only with our own family but with literally, that's the blessing of our lives, tens of thousands of other families who have either read our books or written into us or we've met as in presentations. So we're sort of a clearinghouse. We, on this show every week, we want to bring you a couple of good ideas that you may say, well, maybe I could alter that a little and use it in my own family. That's what we'd like you to think. Well, you know, it's really uh, so amazing. You talk about being optimistic and and having a a hopeful future, and we really have done so many things wrong as we've gone through, and our children remind us of them quite often. But um, it is so fun to see our children now as parents, and we went from the San Diego speech to, in fact, our daughter-in-law joined us for the speech, and then our son came at the end. And then the next morning we took off for Palm Springs together, but we did have some for the tennis tournament there at Indian Wells, which we love. And um, we did have some hours with our grandchildren, though, and we had so much fun. But the thing that I was so impressed by was their patience, their never-ending patience. I mean, those who know... Uh, me not as a kids. young mother, not not, 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 not the kids' the patience, but the but our son and his wife, Noah and Christy, are so much more patient with their kids than we ever were, and we're just like in awe of how calm their home is. I mean, compared to the, our home, to be honest, well, if if you had to choose a word to describe our home, you wouldn't choose the word calm. You might choose the word chaotic. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, as a young mother, I wrote a book called I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch because almost every day, I mean, there were kids were just driving me over the edge. I mean, I could I could remain calm for so long, so long, so long. And then all of a sudden I just they hit my button and I went over the edge. And I think that happens so often. But to see this couple, honestly, I mean, almost to the point of amazing, almost to the point of if that was my kid, I would just say, get in this car right now. <laughs> um, but they just count very softly, count and come and get, or you can stay here if you want to, but you'll be all alone. And honestly, they were awesome. And it was so fun to see them interact with their kids and be better parents than we were. That's that's the goal, really. And then we went on to Indian Wells in Palm Springs to this tennis tournament, and we had another son and his wife who just had a new baby. And they were there with that baby in a little stroller and that sweet little patient mom. This baby is two months old and she sat a long time in the chairs on the grass watching the big screens feeding that baby um, during the day. But it's just so fun to see your kids become parents and to see how they develop their personality traits and how it applies to their own children. 
It really is. And let me make a couple of points on just on the on what you brought up, Linda. Imagine the, this uh, Noah and Christy, our son and daughter-in-law, and their their greatest strength is how calm they are, and, they, and it's contagious. I mean, that's one thing parents have to understand is that uh, your calmness or lack thereof is very contagious to your children. And usually, and you know this when you think about it, usually when everyone's at their wit's end and there's all kinds of tension in the air, that usually started with you. Now, maybe the child brought it up or, or yelled or something happened, but your response sort of triggered attention in the air, whereas if it had been calmer, that would have also been contagious to your kids. However, I will say that, you know, and I, I can only say this to you listeners because I said it to my son, one of the things I think they do need to work on in this very calm and very peaceful, lovely little family of theirs is that they still haven't learned probably the hardest lesson for parents to learn, and that is to try as best you can to give attention to positive behavior and not to negative behavior. Because, and they're, and they're like we were, they're like so many parents are, where they've got one little daughter who's just a firecracker, and when she wants to throw a tantrum, not only is she really an expert at it, but the parents give her all kinds of attention. Now, it's negative attention. Lila, you can't do that, Lila. When you do that, it makes this happen and so on. But the point is, she's an attention sponge. She wants it. And what we all need, the hardest lesson, I think, to learn as parents is to try to find a way to, as much as possible, to ignore negative behavior to the point where it becomes unignorable. But to to try to give attention to the positive behavior instead of the negative. I told Noah the story of my, one of my favorite stories of once when we were living in Japan. The Japanese are very good at this. They somehow have learned as a culture almost to ignore negative behavior. They almost shun it. It's almost like their their way societally of saying that's not acceptable. It's so unacceptable. I'm not even going to look at you. I'm not going to give you any attention at all. And I had a firsthand experience with a mom once who I was trying to talk to, and her little kid, three-year-old, was tugging at her, being rude, screaming, throwing a tantrum. And instead of the typical response, dealing with that kid and disciplining them and giving them all kinds of attention for being such little hellions, this mom, and I was just awed by this, she just totally ignored him. I couldn't ignore him. I mean, I couldn't even hear her. He was screaming and so on. But she ignored him, and then finally she did the most amazing thing. She opened a little door that was nearby where we were talking and sort of nudged him in with her foot and closed the door. It turned out it was a closet. And I'm like, whoa, what happened? And, and the kid screamed for a minute, and then and it stopped, and we carried on our conversation. And then this little boy comes out of the closet, stands calmly and politely by his mother, waits for a pause in the conversation, and says, excuse me, mother may I have a word or something like that? I mean, just this cute little totally polite thing. And now the mom gives him all her attention, kneels down, looks him in the eye, listens to him, ignores me because she's giving her attention to positive behavior. And I, I went out of that house thinking, wow, why can't all parents be like that? You know, I'm sure <laughs> I'm not that way. I give all my attention you, you go in a shopping mall sometime and watch families walking through and ask yourself, who's getting all the attention? 
it's the kid who's acting out. It's the kid who's misbehaving. And I understand, you know, sometimes you have to with that. But more and more we should try, at least on little things, ignore the negative and give the attention to the kid who's being polite. Well, again, it comes back to having a plan. And I used to, I mean, patience was my big problem. So I used to go in the mornings and look in the mirror, even with kids pounding on the bathroom door, I'd lock the bathroom door and just look in the mirror and say, I know I'm walking into a hurricane. I'm going to remain the calm center of the storm. No matter what happens, no matter who whines, cries, fights, and all that, I am going to do it. And so I went out into the world with a plan. And it worked about 35, 40% of the time. But, you know, it's better than none of the time. Better than nothing. So... I think really in parenting, the deal is to have a plan. Have a plan with yourself. Have a plan with your spouse if you have one about raising those kids and work on the things that are bugging you right now. And it's amazing what can happen when you feel like you're doing something together. Take parenting as a challenge and take it as a joy. And may you have a great week ahead. And as for us, we got a little more travel to do this week. And we'll see you again next week on Ayers on the Road.